without further ado, I will uh, introduce you my best speaker. I used to say my fav- my, one of my favorite speakers, or one of my favorite speakers. Is that how I used to introduce you? One of my favorite speakers, Carly. And she said, what do you mean one of your favorite speakers? So I have to say she's my favorite speaker now. But this is my wife, Carly Teredes. She helped me um, pioneer Teredes Ministries. We, um, we've done a lot of things together, praise God. She actually um, started healing school in Colorado. She's um, pioneered the Healing is Here event, a bunch of different things. Television program goes out all around the world and lots of healing events. Last week we had our healing events so many people healed. So you're going to be blessed. I'm telling you, open up your hearts to Jesus tonight because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you tonight. Praise God through Carly's words. So why don't you help me welcome to the stage. This is my wife, Carly Teredes. You're going to need this, right? I'm in trouble now because everything I said this morning and tonight, she's going she's gonna to correct, praise God. So have fun, baby. Man, you make me sound so mean. <laughs> My gosh, I'm just this tyrant that you live with. Gosh, I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to go and see a pastor afterwards and get ourselves straightened out, right? My gosh. I tell you, that time of worship was really powerful. The Lord showed me there's a real expectation There's a real tangible presence of faith and expectation tonight, amen? And I know many of you have come expecting, and the Lord's told me, and as many who will come will receive. Everyone can receive tonight. Everyone can walk out the doors different to how they came in. Everyone can, amen? And the good news is that Jesus has already done the hard part. He's already done the hard part. You know, one of the things that really struck me when when I walked in the building was this beautiful cross up here. Do you see that, right? Let's never forget what that means. You know, for Christians, this is a symbol of hope. This is, this is a symbol of this is what our Jesus did for us. This is a symbol of salvation, of freedom, amen, to know that we're going to live in victory, that we have a place in heaven, that we have eternal life, right, that we don't have to be afraid like the world is. We don't have to lose our ever-loving mind like the world is, but we can have the peace of God on the inside of us. This, this cross is the cross of healing, amen. It's the cross of hope, of deliverance, of prosperity, of provision, all of those things, safety, favor, friendship, all wrapped up in this cross. But you know, it didn't always used to be that. You know, for the early church, the cross was a picture of torture. Think about that for a moment. God has taken a device that was used to torture people, and he's so changed around that situation, that now that is our place of deliverance. Now that is our place of victory. It used to be despised. It used to be, it used to be for criminals. It used to be the cross that people despised. But Jesus, you know, when he died on the cross, he died for all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our sickness, all of that he took. So now when we look at this cross, it's a picture of hope, of healing, of deliverance. Amen. It's turned on its head. So tonight, I want to talk for a moment. And, and you know, we don't get the word out. Uh, this isn't the warm-up right? Signs and wonders follow the preaching of the Word. Amen? So we're going to get in the Word because we need to know what a picture of victory looks like. We need to know what the power of the cross is. Because if we don't know, we're not going to walk in it. We're going to be going from healing meeting to healing meeting, hoping and wishing that something's going to change. But you know what? The faith that receives healing is the same faith that you use to get born again. How many people in here are born again? Okay? If you're not, we can fix that at the end. Okay, if you don't know that if you die tonight, you won't wake up in heaven, we can, we can assure, make, make, make you assured and confident of that. That is not hard. You need to know that. But you know, once we get born again, we don't just get saved and stuck. 
There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. There's victory for us tonight. You know, eternal life isn't just when we get to heaven. It's right here, right now, in this moment, living out this life, in prosperity, in health, in deliverance, everything that this, this cross paid for, right? And if we don't receive everything that Jesus paid for, I think, well, you know what? We're shortchanging that sacrifice. It belongs to us. It, the fruits of his sacrifice belongs to us. Man, I started looking at this, you know, when, um, in the Gospels. Turn, turn in your Bibles here to, to Mark chapter 11. Great chapter, by the way. Great chapter of faith. But I want to look at something. Because, you know, when Jesus, um, before Jesus died, he already saw the victory that that, that that cross was about to accomplish for him. He knew that it was going to be a place of pain, of suffering, excruciating suffering for him. But the reason he went there, he says, you were the joy that was set before him. He did this for us, amen. And so when he rode into Jerusalem, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, I'm going to look here in, in Mark chapter 11. It's mentioned in all of the Gospels, actually. He tells his disciples to go in, get a brand new colt, as Ashley was talking about this morning, right? an unridden colt, and they threw garments on it. And he said, I'm reading here in verse 7. And they threw their garments on it, and he sat upon it. Many spread their garments on the street. Others cut down branches of the trees, palm branches. That's what we do on Palm Sunday, right? And they scattered them on the street. And those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who came in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is coming in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus was, was um, paraded into Jerusalem. And this, this victory party, this was the original street party that just came out here. They were celebrating something. Many people, they didn't even know what they were celebrating. They were just caught up in the wave. They were just caught up in the crowd. But this was, this was like a, a party-type atmosphere here. And, and it, was, it was a whole celebration. And yet, you know, the reason it was a celebration was because Jesus knew what that cross was going to accomplish for us. He knew. He already had a picture of victory beyond the suffering. We need to have a picture of victory beyond our suffering. Amen. We need to be able to see the other side of the challenge, the other side of what we're going through. And, you know, the, I started to study this out. This is really interesting. But, you know, when I was, when I was little, we went to, we didn't, I didn't grow up in church, but we'd go to church on special occasions, you know, Christmas and Easter. And I never really understood why they had the little palm leaves. I don't know if you've, you've maybe you've been to some churches that do this and they, they take the palm leaves and they weave them into crosses. And I never really understood what all that was about, all the, all the waving. And I mean, it seemed like fun because I was five, right? But never really understood what it was until I started to figure out, like, what are these branches that were cut down? What is, why are these palm leaves so significant? And you have, I've noticed several of these types of plants, right, in this nice tropical climate that we, we are in in Florida, right? But you know that palm trees, palm branches, they're, for the ancient Romans, they're a sign of victory. Think about that for a moment. They took down branches. Many of them didn't know what they were doing. They just grabbed, grabbing leaves and waving them. But they were grabbing onto something. They were grabbing onto the tree that would be this, become the sign of victory. That they were woven to the Greeks. They were given to athletes. People that what the, the leaves were woven into crowns, and they were they were handed to them for people that conquered, for people that won, for people that overcame something, people that crossed the finish line. How many finishes do I have in here? Come on. You know, Jesus isn't just the author of our faith. He's the finisher of it also. 
He wants you to get across the finish line. He calls you to be more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors in Christ, right? Not just, not just people that, that just struggle through life, scrape through life, hoping to just survive it. No, Jesus paid for us to be thriving in it. He's all about thrival, not just survival. Amen? We need to get a picture of victory. So to the Romans and to the Greeks, these, these, were, these leaves were a picture of victory. You know, to the Egyptians, they, they were, the palm branches were a symbol of immortality. They used them in medicine. The palms were used as medicine to, um, to heal cancer and to cure for to infertility. A symbol of immortality, a picture of victory, a picture of healing over, over sickness. You know, these are the very things that, that were waved in uh, Jesus' in Jesus's face and laid for him to walk on, on his, on his way to, to his death, basically, on his, on his way into to the, um, the, the, the scenario that led up to his death. Think about that for a moment. This is a picture of victory. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He had a picture of victory on the inside of us. And I believe this is something that is really significant when it comes to healing. You know, it's no coincidence in the, the rest of the chapter of of Mark 11 is talking about Jesus and the fig tree, speaking to the mountain, right? I know your pastor's been teaching some of you about the power of words and faith and how we speak to the mountain. We need to speak to the mountain of sickness. We need to get a bit of an attitude about it. You know, when we have a, a, an assurance on the inside of victory, it's like going into a fight that we've already won. You know, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. You know what a good fight is? The one you've won, Right? How many of you would enter into a fight if you knew that it was a foregone conclusion that you were going to win? Right? Come on. That's like a no-brainer, right? I mean, it, we're, not, we're not competing. We're just entering to win. Guess what? In life, we need to enter to win. Forget about this spirit of competition. We're not about competing um, you know, against principalities and powers. No, Jesus has already def defeated principalities and powers. That's how comes win more than conquerors. This is a fixed fight. The fight of faith is a fixed fight. It's not a fair fight. We've already won. He's already secured us the victory. But our part tonight is to get a picture of victory on the inside of us. You know, for many years, um, healing, healing is a passion of mine. Ashley mentioned that I've been healed of epilepsy, and, um, and also our daughter had been healed of an incurable disease. She was just given a week to live and was supernaturally healed. Amen. But even, even before then, he, you know, the enemy tried to take me out so many times. I'm like, oh, really? This ain't my first rodeo, honey, right? I mean, seriously, like, I, it's too late for me now. You cannot convince me that God doesn't heal people today. I've seen too many people raised from the dead to believe those lies anymore. Yeah, yeah, you better believe it, amen. That's the kind of God that we serve. He tried to take me out when I was young. I've been healed of so many different things now um, that, I, that I've lost count, actually. But, but one particular time, I was, um, I'd had a lot of seizures, this is before I was healed of epilepsy. I'd had some brain damage. I was paralyzed in a wheelchair at 18 years old, and I was a year-old believer. You know, so the thing about faith, you don't need a whole lot of it to get the job done. I've realized this. It's pretty potent stuff. Just a mustard seed will get the job done, right? It's potent. Because when we put trust in Jesus, we have access to the full power of the kingdom of heaven on our behalf. It, it might be a tiny doorway, but that's all we need, right? When the minute that we received Jesus, victory was secured on the inside of us. And so even though I was only a year old believer and I didn't, I knew just enough of the word to be dangerous. You know what I mean? 
You don't need to know a whole lot. You just need to know the right parts to be dangerous with it. I had a dangerous kind of faith. Come on, who has dangerous faith in here, right? This is the kind of faith that makes the devil scream. This is the kind of faith when you wake up in the morning, the devil's like, oh no, they're awake, right? It's that kind of faith. You know, when, when we've seen something, when we've seen a picture of victory on the inside of us, we become eyewitnesses. You know, Jesus said he saw, he became an eyewitness of Satan's downfall. He says, Jesus said he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He was an eyewitness account to Satan's downfall. He knew that the fight was fixed, that the days, the power of the enemy was about to be broken. And because of that, he could go into Jerusalem with the joy that was set before him, even though he knew that he was going to have to endure hardship and horrible, a horrible death, he already had a picture of victory. And you know, at 18 years old, I had a picture of victory on the inside of me. Even though the doctor's report wasn't good and they didn't know if I was ever going to be able to walk again, even though that I, I just knew a few scriptures, you know, I wrote those scriptures out and I stuck them on post-it notes and I, and I, and I, and I just stuck them on my bedroom wall and, and I just knew, I didn't understand a lot, but I knew that this word had some power in it. You see, this word, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just a dictionary. It wasn't just a novel. It was something, when I opened this word, I felt the demon scream. Amen. They're terrified that you might get in the word of God and believe it. Absolutely terrified. Because the thing is, they know that the word of God spoken out of your mouth is just as powerful as if God had spoken it himself. That's the truth. That's the truth. But we've got to start seeing ourselves like Jesus sees us. We're not just scraping through, barely limping through life, trying to get to heaven. No, you know what? We have the full power of the kingdom of heaven residing. We have dead-raising power in us. Amen? Dead. We are locked and loaded, full of potential. Amen? And that is what the devil is coming to try to distract you from. He's terrified that you might actually see what, what he already knows is in you. You see, the, the enemy isn't smart. He's just observed people. He's been around a long time. And he knows what potential looks like. And when he sees you full of potential, he knows that you're dangerous. He knows that you're dangerous. So he'll try and take you out with whatever he can throw at you, whether that's sickness and disease or maybe just fear or anxiety or, hey, he'll settle for distraction. The Word of God says, you know, don't grow weary while doing good. How many of us do so many good things sometimes that we get weary? Right? If he can't distract you with sin, he'll, he'll wear you out. He don't care. He just doesn't want you to get in the Word. He don't want you to get in the Word because if you read it and believe it, you become locked and loaded, and now, you, now you, you're, you're armed and dangerous. You're armed and dangerous. He sent His Word and healed you. So at 18 years old, I didn't have a whole lot of the Word in me, but I had enough to be dangerous. Amen. And, and God gave me a picture. Even though the doctor's report came and said that, you know, all of these terrible things, they never ever had any good news to share. It was, it was, and like, if, 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 one, if I didn't believe one of them, they'd come with their entourage with the white coats and the stethoscopes, you know. And it was, I don't know, I think it was like the, the Ministry of Intimidation or something. I don't know what it was. But, but, you know, God had given me a picture on the inside of me, and it was a picture that didn't involve a wheelchair. It was a picture that involved me climbing a mountain, me, me going on, on this outdoor pursuits um, uh, church camp that I wanted to go on with my youth group in three months' time. And the more that they spoke, it was almost like one of those Charlie Brown cartoons. You know where he, he's talking, but no one really hears him. It's like, wah, 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 you know? It's almost like I just tuned them out. 
I knew what they were saying, but I didn't hear it on the inside. You see, you can hear with your ears, but you can also hear with your heart, right? And we need to be careful what we hear with our ears, but we need to be even more careful what we hear with our heart. And even though I knew what they were saying, and it was the same with Hannah, even when the doctors spoke to Hannah and they, they, over our daughter Hannah and they told us all of these, these bad news, I was hearing with my ears, but I wasn't hearing with my heart. And because of that, those words didn't get on the inside. You see, we need to be careful what we listen to because if we don't have the word of God planted in us, we're going to start to let the words that we hear with our ears get into our heart. We need to have the word in our heart. Amen. Have the word in our heart. The word will inoculate you against a lot of things the world tries to throw at you. It's too late for me. I've tested positive for faith. Amen. I'm sorry. I'm positive. I have a positive result. I have a positive outlook. I have a positive expectation, and it's for good. Amen. Good things are happening to me. Some of us need to say that out loud. Say, good things are happening to me. Right? God has good plan for us. And even though the doctors came with these negative reports, I had this picture on the inside of me of, me, of the climbing this mountain. And I remember one day, I just waited till everyone was out the house. I'm like, God, I just, I need to know what's going on here because what I can see in my reality isn't matching up to what I can see in my spirit. Does anyone testify to that? They can, yeah, they can, they can see that. And there was a conflict. And he said, well, you're just going to have to choose which one you believe. We're going to have to choose which one we believe. Are we going to go with what is going on in our natural realm? Are we going to go with the doctor's report? Are we going to go with the physical limitations as being our only truth? Or are we going to allow the Word of God today, planted in our hearts, to give life to our flesh? He sent His Word, Psalm 1720, and healed you. Not the doctor, not the bank manager, not the psychotherapist. He sent his word and healed us. Amen. Now, it doesn't mean that God can't use all of those other things. But it's what we do with it that matters. Whose report are we listening to? Whose report are we listening to? And so I started to think, oh, you know what? I'm going to believe you, God. I'm going to believe your word, Lord. I'm going to believe the impossible. Why? Because I've got a God that does the impossible. I've got a God that says all things are possible to him who believes. All things, not some things. All things. Do we really believe that? Do we, we get to choose. We get to choose. And so, you know, that day I chose. I chose to believe God. And I chose to connect with the picture that he showed me on the inside of me. I chose to see the victory beyond the suffering. You know, this, this is challenging. Because if you've been in a situation a long time, you know, that situation has been speaking to you a long time. And we get moved at a heart level by what we see with our eyes, by what we hear with our ears. And if we're not careful, those circumstances, they're going to paint a different picture, a picture of defeat, of sickness, of, of just always being trapped, of life is never going to get any better, of you're under those circumstances. We were never designed to be under the circumstances. Deuteronomy says we're above the circumstances and not beneath them, right? But how do we get to be above the circumstances? By choosing to believe the Word of God by choosing to believe what God says about us, by choosing to, to put faith in his victory, in his sacrifice, and agreeing with those things, that's how we begin to walk in victory. Victory is already there. We're full of potential. But we begin to walk in that victory by making those decisions in faith in our heart. And in that moment, I chose to believe God, and I put the brakes on my wheelchair. I waited until everyone else was out of the house. And I realized in that moment, I didn't have to believe for everything. You know, this was really revolutionary to me. 
You don't have to believe for the whole enchilada. You can start with a bean. Okay? I'm just saying, some of us need to start with bean faith. Bean faith, right? With that little itty-bitty, that little mustard seed of faith that will get the job done. But we need to start where we're at. You know, when Jesus ministered, he didn't ask people to be somewhere where they weren't. Right? People came to Jesus in all different kinds of conditions, and he never said, oh, you know what? You just got to go, go and do this. You got to go do that. You gotta, I mean, no, he just accepted people where they were. You know, the centurion said, you just say the word, Jesus, and I know I'll be healed. Jesus marveled. He's like, this man understands authority, and he knows the power of words, right? But then he turns around. He sees Jairus, Jairus, ruler of the synagogue. He had a lot of religion in him, a lot of institutionalized religion in him, a lot of, lot of responsibility. But he had a situation going on in his life where his daughter was dying, pretty, about, pretty much the, the worst kind of situation you can have when your kids is dying, right? We've, we've kind of been there. And, you know, he had, the, he had this report, but, he, but it was motivation for him. And he came to Jesus, and he knew, even though his situation was terrible, that Jesus was still the answer. He knew there was something about that man. There was something about that man that when he walks into the room, there's power in the room. There's things change. Sickness leaves. Dead or raised. He's like, you know, I'm ready to put away my preconceived ideas to, to, to be with Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready to be there. And he walked into Jesus, and, and Jesus didn't say to him, just say the word, Jairus, can't you be like the centurion? You know, Jairus said, if you come to my house, Jesus, if you come to my house, I know my daughter's going to be made well. And Jesus didn't say, well, you know what, Jairus, you're just lazy. You're just lazy. You're making me trek all the way across the town over here. You know, I don't have Uber. You know, it's been a long day. I've got dusty hot feet. I just want to get a, a cold drink and sit down. You know, can I just say the word? No, he met Jairus where he was in his faith. You see, Jairus had been faith, right? He had been faith. He's like, Jesus, I just know if you just touch me, if you just, if you just come to, to my house and lay hands on my daughter, if you just come, I know, I know she's going to be made well, but, but you just, you just got to come to my house, Jesus. Jesus didn't say, you know, I want you to be somewhere where you're not. You just need to, you just need to be more like the centurion, you know, he, he met him in that place of faith. And I want to encourage you tonight. Jesus is going to meet you exactly where you are. You don't have to be somewhere you're not. You just have to be exactly where you are. Amen. Come to Jesus. Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And he'll meet you exactly where you are. You see, he's already seen the victory. And he's, he's, trying, to, he's trying to get us into that place. And, you know, as I sat there in my wheelchair... He started to download to me the picture of victory, the picture of victory. Even though my faith might have been little faith, it was enough faith to get the job done. It was year-old believer faith. I'd only been born again a year. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of word. In my Baptist church, we never saw anyone that was healed. I didn't even know that that was really available till I started reading it in the Word of God. And that was curious. You know, sometimes we read things in the Bible that we don't see in church. That's a travesty. That's a travesty, right? Because Jesus has a healing ministry. And guess what? I haven't, there's no expiration date on this. It didn't expire. It didn't pass away with the apostles, right? It's too late for us. You've seen, you've seen the video, right? God is still in the healing business. It hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. It's still available. Amen. Come on. If salvation is still available, you better believe healing's available. It came in the same package. Right? It came together. 
And so as I'm sitting there in my year-old believer faith, his really green, bean-sized faith, I'm like, God started to download this picture of victory in the inside of me. I want you to, to connect with this tonight. What does victory look like for you? What does victory look like for you? I don't care how long you've been sick. Well, I do care, but I'm just saying it's not as much, I don't care about that as much as I care about the Word of God. Amen? So what... It doesn't, it doesn't matter how long you've been sick. It doesn't matter what the prognosis is. It doesn't matter how many medications, how many surgeries, how many appendages you need to get moving, right? What does victory look like to you? What does healing look like to you? What does your healed self look like to you? You've got to grab that picture on the inside of you. See it on, your, in, on the inside, in your imagination. Because, you know, when we start to imagine something, it builds a framework for the power of God to manifest in our natural bodies. It literally starts to construct things that come to pass. It, there's a construction phase that happens. Our, our imagination is where our hope is, which is our positive expectation of good. When we start to imagine good things, when we start to get a picture of victory, we're starting to connect by faith to the power of God that's in us all along. But we've got to do that in the realm of our thinking. Get connected in the realm of our thinking. And I started to imagine myself walking. I realized I didn't have to, to see myself climbing a mountain. I just had to see myself standing. You know, this might be revolutionary, but, but you know, in my peanut brain, this is how it worked. I had to have faith to stand first. You know, the first stage to walking is standing. It's deep, isn't it? It's deep. But in that moment, I'm like, man, I can, I can do that. I can have faith to stand. I said, legs, this is what we're going to do. I know you don't have it, but I'm going to talk to you anyway. Right? I'm going to talk to you anyway. I don't care if you're listening, but you're going to listen now. And legs, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand, and we're going to be strong, and we're going to bear weight. In that moment, I stopped allowing my flesh to talk to me. This is really important. We allow all things all the time to talk to us, don't we? We allow our circuit. Ashley was talking this morning. We allow our finances to talk to us, the spirit of mammon, the spirit behind money, right? We allow it to make decisions for us. You know, we allow our flesh to make decisions for us, to tell us what's, what's going on. But really, we've got to understand that we're more than just a flesh suit in this world, We've got the Spirit of God, the, dead, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of us. And that's more powerful than this flesh suit. So I was of the opinion that if I've got the full dead raising power of Jesus on the inside of me, then this flesh suit's just going to have to get in line. It's going to have to get in line. I said, flesh, you're going to listen to me. I'm going to stop listening to you. You're going to stop talking to me all the time. How does flesh talk? Through pain through symptoms, through fear, through doubt. It talks to you all the time. But we have to determine what we're going to listen to with our heart. What are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to our flesh talking to us? Or are we going to listen to what the Word of God is telling us, what the Spirit of God is telling us? And I decided in that moment, I'm going to start talking to my legs. This is what we're going to do. We're going to stand up. We're going to be strong. We're going to do what you don't want to do, and I don't care how you feel about it. Right? And so in that moment, I put my brakes on my wheelchair and I stood up for the first time in months and I let go of the handrails one at a time until I was doing that really wobbly thing. You know, when, like when kids first start to walk, you know, it's, it's ugly looking, right? It, they kind of wobble around. I'm like, it wasn't pretty. But you know what I did in that moment? I had a little party. I had a little dance party. I realized that my bean faith, my bean faith was now standing faith. And the first, the first step to walking was standing. I had a little praise party. 
Come on. Come on. That's progress. That's progress. You know, sometimes what we do is we'll come to things, we'll have people pray for us, we'll speak the word, and if we don't see something instantaneous, we'll be like, oh, it didn't work. Shh, quit it. Zip it. We've got to learn to keep our trap shut if we've got nothing good to say. Seriously. Seriously. Such is the power of words. We've got to learn to see what God is doing rather than what our flesh is resisting. This is really important because it's easy to see what's wrong. But we've got to look for the victory. We've got to see the victory. It's a great song, by the way, worship song at the moment. There's a see the victory. I love that song. Anyway, but we've got to see the victory. We've got to see the other side of the cross. We've got to see the finished work of Jesus. Amen. And so in that moment, I had my little praise party. Come on. Didn't do my little hula. And then I realized if I had standing faith, then surely I had inch walking faith. Inch walking faith. You know, the little shuffling kind of faith. Not big steps, but I had, I had faith to move an inch. Some of us, we just got to move an inch. Can you get your faith to move you in somewhere, in some direction, move towards the voice of God? You know, faith is, an, as an, is action orientated. You can't have static faith. It's not faith. Faith is always moving. Blind Bartimaeus, he had to get up while he was still blind and walk towards the voice of Jesus. Jesus didn't walk over there and pray for him. He says, come over here, Bartimaeus. Come, you've got to move towards the sound of what Jesus is calling you to do. Amen? And he, and he got his sight back. And I'm like, I got inch walking faith. So I said, all right, left foot. This is what we're going to do now. We're going to move an inch. Come on. Right? And, and real slowly, my foot started to move. And then you know what I did now? Had a little praise party. Right? Had a little praise party. I'm like, if I can move an inch with my left foot, I can move an inch with my right foot. So it's right foot this. And now you, you, get, you get the picture, right? Inch by inch by inch. And each little progression, I have my own little party all there by myself. We need to celebrate the victories. We need to rehearse our victories, amen. We need to start remembering all of the good things that God has done in our life, all of the battles that we've won and the devil has lost, amen. We need to rehearse it. We need to remember it and we need to throw them back in the devil's face. Every time he comes at us with a lie, every time he comes at us with some doubt or fear or unbelief or, some, or one of Job's friends says, you can't do it, right? If those are your friends, you need to get new friends. Just saying, okay? Because when you're believing God for something, you need to be in an atmosphere where people know how to believe God. If you're in the fight for your life, you can't afford to be in a church that doesn't believe in healing. Let me just say that, Right? Your life's worth more than that because good-meaning people will love you to death. They will. But if you want to receive what Jesus has, if you want to you walk and fight and win the good fight of faith, surround yourself with people, four crazy friends that are ready to rip the roof off and lower you down. Amen? That's the kind of people you want to be around. That's the kind of people you want to be around. But, you know, when I realized I had inch-walking faith, it wasn't long before I found that I'd walked all the way to the front door, which is about 10 feet away. And then I'm like, if I can walk 10 feet, I'm not going to walk another 10 feet back and sit in my wheelchair. It's over. It's too late. This train has already started moving. I've got some momentum. It's too late for me now. You know, we've got to keep the momentum going. You know, many of us, we start in faith, but we quit. We quit too soon. You know, the darkest point of the night is right before the dawn. There's something in that. The coldest part of the night is right before the sunrise. It's right before the sunrise. Many of us, we give up right before the point of our breakthrough. Don't quit. You're going to win if you don't quit. 
Remember, Jesus isn't just the author of your faith. He's the finisher of your faith. He's called you to finish tonight. Finish it. Let's finish this. Amen. Let's be finishers tonight. So I opened the front door wide onto the street. And I think my, my, my neighbors must have thought, that woman looks a bit crazy, you know. The age, I mean, I'm 18 years old and I've got my PJs on. I wasn't dressed for the outside world, but I realized at that point there was no going back. And I staggered on up the street. I must have looked like some drunk, crazy woman. You know, just it wasn't pretty. It was, I mean, you know what? When a baby starts walking, is it pretty? It's awkward, right? And sometimes, you know, you fall down and sometimes you stagger a bit, right? But, you know, I'm staggering up the street and I realize that my friends are playing tennis a couple of miles down the road at a community tennis uh, court there. I'm like, I'm going to play tennis. And you know, everything in my mind was telling me, you can't do that. And you know what I said back? Shut up. I couldn't walk 10 minutes ago. Right? We just, we just, we got to be like rabid dogs when it comes to the Word of God. Bite onto it, chew onto it, and just don't let it go. Just don't let it be shaken free. And you know, I walked that two miles, arrived at the tennis court, and my friends was like, you can't play tennis. I'm like, I couldn't walk 10 minutes ago, you know. I, I, I couldn't, not bad, not bad for a woman that's in a wheelchair a little while ago, right? Give me a racket, and I played tennis. Not bad. It was not a good game of tennis, but let me tell you, not bad for someone that was paralyzed a little while ago, right? Come on, come on. We can't let go. The Word of God is going to work for us. Why? Because Jesus, you know, he's, he's seen the other side of the cross. I want to show you something. We need to be finishers. Jesus is a finisher. I want to show you something. This is in, in um, John chapter 19. We're going to read this and then I'm, we're going to pray for people. John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Now, Jesus, the last th- a few words that Jesus um, said before his crucifixion, before he, he died on the cross, are in here. It says in, in, ver- in uh, verse 30, John 19, verse 30, it says, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. It is finished. Tetelestai. It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. You see, he's a finisher. He didn't quit, so we don't need to. He didn't quit, right? So we don't need to either. He's a finisher. You know this word? This, this was a really powerful few words that he spoke here. It means so much. It was written in the, pre, in the perfect tense. And why is that important? Because it means it's now and ongoing. He wasn't just saying, I quit. I'm out of here. Beam me up, God. Right? I'm done. I've had enough of these people. I've had enough of this pain. I quit. I'm hanging up my, my hat. I'm leaving this place. He wasn't just checking out. He was saying, it's finished. Everything that I came to accomplish is finished. Everything that I set out to do is completed. Not just, not just today, but now and forever. Now and forever ongoing. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. So just as it was finished on that day, it's finished right now. It's just as finished right now as it ever was. So what is finished? The reason that I believe that he said this, you know, this tetelestai, it would have been a word that they would have been very familiar with in those times. It means several different things in the original language. It means to fulfill or perfect. You know, um, they would have said this, the the, um, priest would have said this when they found an unblemished lamb because it means perfect. You know, Jesus is the lamb of God. (laughs) 
Amen. He's the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for us. So when a priest would, in, in, the, in the Old Testament before Jesus, right, they would have found that if they committed a sin or there was a sickness or something going on, there had to be a blood sacrifice to be payment for that sickness, to be payment for that sin, right? And so they had sacrificial lambs that they would sacrifice, depending on what the, the uh, what, there was different, different sacrifices for different levels of different things, okay? But when they found the lamb, you know, it couldn't be like a three-legged, one-eyed lamb that was going to die anyway, right? You know, the one out back that looks a bit skinny and ropey, the runt of the litter, whatever it is, you probably don't have litters of lambs, right? I don't know what they have, but anyway. Um, you, can, you, can, you can have the runt come out, right? It's going to die. No, it had to be a perfect lamb. It had to be a spotless lamb. Because when the priest laid hands on that lamb, they didn't inspect the carrier of the lamb. They knew that they were the sinner. They inspected the sacrifice. Was it perfect? Was it perfect? Was it unblemished? And when they laid hands on that lamb, all of the disease, all of the sickness, all of the sin that needed to be atoned for was transferred onto that lamb that was about to die. So when the priest came in and they found the lamb, the, the, the spotless lamb that was going to be the unblemished, perfect lamb, the complete lamb, he said, Tetelestai. It's done. This is the word. This is the word. It's perfect. The unblemished lamb for sacrifice. It means complete. You know, in Colossians 2.10, it says that we're complete in him. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing broken. It means to accomplish in full to be paid in full. You know, in those times in the market traders, this would have been written on, a, on, a, on a, as a proof. If they had a receipt, something like that, it would have been proof. There's no debt owing. There's no debt. And this, this has been paid in full. It would show that there was, you owed nothing for that transaction. You know, this was used in a court of law. Tetelestai, it is finished. How, how appropriate that Jesus would use this as one of his last words that he said. It's finished, Tetelestai. It means the judgment, the sentence has been settled. Settled. It means the punishment has been satisfied. The, the sentence has been served. You know, in, in Colossians, it, let's just, just go, go on over there. In Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, it gives us a little insight. Are you getting something good? You know, God is so good to us. We need to take time to get to know him to get to know what his word says, amen, to let the word of God paint that picture of victory on the inside of us. In Colossians chapter 2, a few verses down in verse 13, it says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has resurrected together with him. Who needs some resurrection power today? Come on, we need some resurrection power. He says, having forgiven you all of your sins, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that it was against us and contrary to us. You know, in some um, translation, it says the certificate, in the NASB, it says the certificate of debt or the written charges, the written charges that were against us. And he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed authorities and powers and making a show of them openly, triumphing over them by the cross. By the cross. He took the charges that were against us you know, he took the doctor's reports, he took the x-rays, he took the MRIs, he took the blood tests, he, he took the rap sheet, and he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. You know, this would have meant something to the prisoners in those days. 
Because they would have taken those written charges and they would have nailed them to the doorpost of the cell in which they were held. And everyone that walked past that cell would know exactly what that person had done. Their charges were there. Their shame was there. Everything that they'd committed would be right there for everybody to see on that doorpost. But he said when Jesus died, he took that sheet and he, and he nailed it to the cross. You know, when, a, when a, um, a prisoner was set free, they would be released. When their sentence had been complete, they would exit the cell and they'd be handed the charge sheet the certificate of, of written certificate of ordinances against them. And they'd take it before the judge, and the judge would scribe on the bottom of that sheet, tetelestai, it is finished. That means this judgment, this sentence, this payment has been made, it's been served. Let this person go free. And nobody could stop them leaving the prison. Nobody could stop them. You know, this is the same for us today. There is nothing, there is no lie of the enemy there is no word against us that can stand. You know, Isaiah 54, 17 says that no weapon formed against us can stand. And every word that, that, that is spoken against us in judgment, we shall condemn it. We shall condemn it. You know, the enemy is trying to paint a picture of defeat on the inside of you. But it's too late because we already have victory implanted in us. We already have victory implanted in us. We already have freedom on the inside of us. It's bubbling up. You know, another meaning for this word, it's a military term. It's a military term. It is finished. Tetelestai. It would mean to declare victory. It's the battle cry. When, when the battle had been won, when the enemy had defeated, the army would say, Tetelestai, the enemy's been defeated. The enemy's been defeated. Right? The victory has been won. It's, it's been secured. It's, it, we can live now. We can go in freedom now. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. This is what this word means. Tetelestai. Man, this is so powerful. We need to have a picture of victory on the inside of us, which the devil can't steal which sickness can't take away, which the world can't convince us out of. You know, when, char when charges come against us, when symptoms come up in our body, we need to look at the victory that Jesus has secured for us on the cross and say, it's too late for me. You see, I've already seen the victory. I've already seen it. It's already imprinted. I've already heard it with the ears of my heart. It's down on the inside of me. I've seen myself healed. I've seen myself whole. I've seen myself walking out of here. I've seen myself with all the pain leaving my body. I've seen my knees become strong holding me up. I've seen my new blood results telling me everything is clear. I've already seen the cancer shrinking on the inside of me. I know my ears are opening. I know my eyes are seeing. I know my immune system is healed. I know my our immune system is built to handle any virus, right? We need to have that victory on the inside of us. And this isn't just in our imagination, but this is real on the inside of us. It's something that we're meditating on. It's something that we're connecting with till it's not, we're not just a hoping and a wishing anymore. We're not, we've gone past the point now of thinking when I stand to receive in a moment, I just hope these symptoms come by. No, you know what? Faith isn't a hoping and a wishing. It's a having and a taking, it's an attitude on the inside that says, I know it belongs to me. It's mine. It's finished. It's who I am, right? There's an attitude of faith that builds up on the inside of us that causes us to walk out of victim mentality. Walk free. I tell you what, the cross should make you bold. It should make you bold. It should make you walk into the demon's den and say, I'm laughing in the face of the devil. 
right? I laugh at that report. Is that the best you've got for me? Seriously? It's too late for me, right? You know what? The devil has no new tricks. He has no new tricks. He's a recycler before recycling was cool, right? He just recycles old lies. He doesn't create anything other than a mess, right? He didn't, didn't create anything other than a mess. He just recycles stuff. We've got to stop falling for the enemy tactics. Get that picture of victory on the inside of us that causes us to walk in faith and power. It doesn't come hoping and a wishing. No, it comes a having and a taking. You know, when David went after Goliath, you know the reason he had so much boldness to stand against Goliath? <laughs> he had his mouth wide open. You notice that, 1 Samuel 16? He says, he ran at Goliath and he says, I'm coming after you. And I've, I've already fought the lion, and I've already fought the bear, and you know what? You uncircumcised Philistine, you're going to be just like one of those. Man, he, had, he was a man of attitude. You know, he saw the same giant, the same symptom that everyone else saw, the same physical condition that everyone else saw, that people that were older than him stood on the back lines, and they were, they, they were afraid. But David, he had the spirit of faith on the inside of him. He had a spirit of boldness on the inside of him. He had already seen a victory. He'd already seen it. And he spoke it out of his mouth as he ran after Goliath. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to chop your head off. And then I'm going to come after your brothers too. He had enough stones for all of them. Enough. He was locked and loaded. Amen. He was ready. He'd already seen it. He wasn't hiding on the back forty, just being the cheese carrier anymore. Oh no. He had a picture of victory on the inside of him. And there was no giant that was going to talk him down. It's time that we started running at our giants with our mouth open. We've got to run at those giants with our mouth open. That's what faith does. It doesn't sit and it doesn't moan and whine and pity me and poor me. You know what? Victim mentality will kill you. It will. You know, and I'm not being uncompassionate. Hey, I've been healed of so many different things. I know what chronic sickness feels like. But I tell you, pity parties are not the way to healing. And they're not the way to healing. The way to healing is understanding who we are in Christ and what we have on the inside of us. It's that time to stir up the faith that raises the dead on the inside of you and say, I'm not leaving here the same way that I came in. I don't care what you think, body. Shut up, flesh. I say that to myself most mornings. Shut up, flesh. Especially as I get past 40, I've noticed that. Shut up, flesh. Right? Man, you've got to have an attitude. You've got to have a, an attitude of faith. It says, I don't care anymore. I don't care, flesh. You're going to start listening to what I know I already have in my spirit. I have dead raising. Did I tell you this morning, flesh, that you have dead raising power on the inside of you? Did, did we talk about that? Don't tell me about your aches and pains. I don't want to know. Let me tell you what I have on the inside of me. I have dead raising power on the inside of me. I have enough faith on the inside of me to move mountains. I have the power of life and death in my tongue. Amen. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I have the fruits of the spirit. I have the arm of the spirit. I tell you, Everything that I touch prospers. There is no, like, let's just get talking. Do you, you want me to carry on, right? And you do that, and I tell you, your flesh is going to get real quiet. Because it's like, oh, don't use the word on me. Don't use the word on me, right? We've got to start talking back. We've got to start talking back. We've got to know as believers that we have a victory on the inside of us that the devil couldn't take away if he tried. It could, he's just not that powerful. What's he got? Death? Well, you know what? Didn't hold Jesus in the grave, did it? right? Didn't hold Jesus in the grave. Come on. Come on. Lost its sting, right? Lost its sting. Let's, let's quit being afraid of dying already. Really, that sickness is end goal, isn't it? Let's just stare it in the face right now and quit being afraid of dying. What's going to happen? What's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to go be with Jesus. Ain't so bad. 
I mean, seriously, it ain't so bad. We need to quit being afraid of dying when we realize the power of the life that lives on the inside of us. It does something. It changes some things. Remember, this fight isn't fair. It's already finished before we started it. It's already finished. We're entering in to the fruits of a finished work. A finished work. Come on. This is why we can say believers lay hands on the, de- on, on the sick and they see them healed. Believers. How many believers do I have in here? I said, how many believers do I have in here? Come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to do something right now. How many people in here are ready to receive? Okay, good. That, I figured you'd all, would, you'd all would be. What we're going to do is I'm going to pray for you all, okay? We do this where there are thousands of people in the room. I, once I had a lady come up. She had a, we was in a meeting a bit bigger than this. It's about 3,000 people. And um, I was preaching on the stage, and all of a sudden this woman came in. She came running down the front to the center aisle, and she laid a baby on the stage, and it was dead. You know, that'll get your attention. That'll get your attention, But you know what happened in that moment? It's like, it's too late for me. You see, I've already seen the power of God. I've already seen the baby come back to life. I've already seen it. I said, that baby's not dead. It's sleeping. You know, our circumstances are subject to change. You know that? Our circumstances are temporary. They're subject to change. What we have on the inside of us is an eternal weight of glory. Glory is what we have on the inside of us. And as that lady laid that dead baby there, I picked that baby up in my arms. And you know, the word, remember, the word of God in your mouth is just as powerful as if God had spoken it himself. Just as powerful. And I gave that little baby a slap. The Holy Spirit said, slap the baby. I'm like, it's a little baby. It's probably a few months old. I'm like, so a little tap. I give a little tap. You know, I can't compromise, but a little tap. And I said, death, leave this baby in Jesus' name. And in that moment, its eyes rolled back in its its skull. Little black baby looked at me with his little black fuzzy hair, super cute, right? And and his his lips were ashen gray, but they became pink, pink in that moment. That little baby looked at me. His eyes, his life came back into his body. Life came back into his body. Life came back into his body. You know, when we speak the word, life comes back into our body. Life comes back into our flesh. There ain't no sickness worse than death. And if, de- if Jesus has already risen from the dead, that power now lives on the inside of every born again believer that lives in here. Every born again believer that's in here, you have that same dead raising power on the inside of you. Say, I have dead raising power within me. I have hands that heal the sick, words that cast out devils, and power that sets people free. Living in me, in the name of Jesus, there ain't no sickness, no disease that can keep me down, that can keep me bound. Because Jesus has already shown me my victory, my victory, my victory. It's today, it's right now, it's in this moment, it's mine. Victory belongs to me. Everyone stand up.